Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down and chat with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests and talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self. So let's get started. All right, ladies, welcome back to another episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. Today we have with us Tracy Crosley. Tracy innovates in a crowded marketplace of coaches, counselors, and mentors. She has perfected a method for real change, no matter what circumstances are occurring in the life of an individual, personally, or in business. With her background in business, marketing, psychology, ontological coaching, emotional intelligence, and intuitive abilities, Tracy is the game changer for women leaders looking to reinvent how they live and lead from the inside out. She has been known to say she can build the perfect leader for the present and the future. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Oh, my goodness. What a, what a beautiful bio. And I was just sharing with Tracy right before we hit record that I had to look up what ontological means. It was one of those words like, ooh, that's a stumper. But after I looked it up, and for those to save the time, it means the proving that God exists. And I thought that was so cool because I hadn't ever heard it phrased that way or even really of that word. So I'm just curious to know more about you and how you got started in all this fabulous work that you you do and offer for women. And if you just want to share, take us back to the story of how it all began. Sure. So I basically was unemployed and I had read a book. And when I read the book, I thought I need to meet the author. And so I met the author and I met her business partner. And what was interesting is they ended up hiring me to do sales and marketing. And I said, okay, you know, I'll do that. And it wasn't, I wasn't getting paid for it. It was like an exchange. And we didn't, you know, decide up front what the exchange was. Long story short, they had coaching training and, you know, ontological coaching. So ontological coaching, actually the meaning that they had for it was mind, body, spirit, and doing a deep dive where, you know, you're, you're all, it's all coming together. So I thought, I don't really want to be a coach because I don't know how I'm going to make money, you know, and they were offering this as a free training. And I'm like, I I don't know what I'm going to do with this. But anyway, I ended up going through their training and I was a natural coach and I, this is back in 2008. So this is, you know, years ago. And I think what my journey was, was to get clear on myself as I was coaching everybody meaning I was trained as a love coach, okay? So in at the time, I only had dysfunctional relationships. So I wasn't really showing love in my own life. And it was really interesting because as time went on, I would attract a certain kind of client and I would learn from the experience and I would learn about myself, I would learn about them. And it really became very clear. I don't know how many years in I was, it was about insecure attachment and a lot of people suffer from insecure attachment and insecure attachment has different styles. It comes from a theory about attachment. It's called attachment theory that was established in the late 1960s. And when it was established, it was by Dr. John Bowlby and he had been watching infants to see what their response was when they were born, um, you know, like up till two years old to see if it was innate or learned behavior. Like, are we just here to survive? Or, you know, what what does a child attach to? And 
it was carried further, like the, uh, Dr. Mary Ainsworth, who was his assistant, she did something in the early 70s called the Strange Experiment. So, and since her, there have been so many other people who have done studies, and there's all sorts of, of things out there on attachment theory. But basically, if you had any kind of inconsistency, or you were given mixed messages as a kid, or you were abused, or you were ignored, or you know anything that wasn't having emotionally available parents, you probably have some form of insecure attachment. And it extends to all parts of your life. It isn't just personal. It also affects you in business. It affects how you see things, how you perceive yourself. And, you know, and so I've been working with people ever since I worked with people, you know, in their personal lives and in their professional lives too. Wow. That's, I mean, I'm just over here like, wow. Right. Because it's, sometimes you don't even know where it all began to when you unravel the story. I love how you entwined your personal experience with those that have really helped inspire or even become like mentors, coaches, and leaders in your own life. And it all started because you picked up a copy of a book, which I'm curious, what is, what is that book? <laughs> I want to know what it changed, right? <laughs> I know. Well, and it was interesting. Okay. So I picked up a book. It was actually called The Wishing Year, and it was written by a professor at a college up in Northern California. And she <laughs> she has, her roots were in, I think, Jewish and Catholic religions, like one parent was one and one was the other. And so she's like, I carry guilt really well. But anyways, she lived in this area where people were all about the law of attraction and she was not about the law of attraction. So because she thought there's just no way, like, you know, you don't wish for a pair of shoes and they show up. So anyway, but her book mentioned a lot of other books. And I'm one of those people when I read a book, I'm always like, oh, let me look at these other things that are mentioned, right? So she mentioned a book. It was actually, she mentioned the course. It was called Calling in the One. And I was, at that time, had been going through the ending of one dysfunctional relationship. Little did I know I'd exchange it for another dysfunctional relationship. But is that any dysfunction way. itself? It, it really is. So, you know, here I was doing that again. But anyways, so the book was called Calling in the One. And I went and I, I was again, getting into another relationship. I called in somebody else where it was a mess. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if the author could help me because she lived in LA too. And I was in LA. So, and her name was uh, Catherine Woodward Thomas, but I think she's just Catherine Woodward now. And um, so I met with her and she told me really there was nothing that I could do. And I met her business partner and that was how I ended up working with them and how I ended up in their training. But yeah, Calling in the One, it's a great book. You know, it you will call in something, but you're, you know, it's really the basis of the book is calling in yourself. It's really about the self-love and the things that you're actually doing to nurture yourself. But most people think it's about calling in a person, which, which you do. So, yeah, yeah. essentially it's you who becomes the mm -hmm. one that attracts yeah. for the others because you become that person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this. I mean, this stuff always fascinates me because not only just from like, I'm a person who sees like patterns and connections and thinks how they all like, I don't know, it's crazy, it's weird, like this is what scatters in my brain. It takes up like 90% of my capacity, but it's always fascinating when you can look back on life and, and pull through the lens of your experiences. And then when you trace those breadcrumbs back, you see now what essentially are the patterns that are dictating your future. And so I love that you shared all that because how everything was interconnected and there really does come down to 
itself, right? It, it's it's this mind, body, and soul experience that we're we're living here on this earth, and it's not about the external things. Everything we need and want and desire is all found within, but it's that attraction in a sense that brings it to us. So I know you mentioned about like the the law of attraction. And so sometimes like that, that's a little, it can feel a little woo because it's like, oh, you know, like you said, think of a pair of shoes and they're supposed to be there, but it's not. And that's not how it works. Can you shed some light onto that possibly as to those listening, possibly understanding it a little bit more in, in context? Sure. So, you know, the law of attraction, I don't know, you know, people say it's a universal law, but I, who knows, really, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not the universe came down and said, hey, guess what? This is my universal law. law. Right. So I see it as this. We're always attracting things to us in a lot of times. And, and this is how I've gotten actually very clear, especially lately. It's that we have a picture of our lives. Okay. And we don't see how we operate inside that picture all the time. A lot of times there's a lot of limitation. You know, a lot of us were not brought up by parents who were like, okay, everything is unlimited. You can do anything you want, you know, and and they practiced it themselves, right? Most of us, even if our parents said that, parent probably was not doing that. And so we don't see how we've created a plan for our lives. Like we've made a box and we're saying, these things can go in this box. Anything outside of the box, I can't see. The reason is because your brain can only take in so much stimuli. And so that's why you can, as an example, line up 10 people in a room who can watch an event happen and each one sees it differently because each of us has a different idea, a plan, you know, our little box. And then that event has to fit into our box. And so what happens is, you know, because you're always attracting things to you, you attract people, you know, you attract situations. And it has to do with how you approach life, you know, how you act in life, the things you say, things you do, you know, what you focus on. You know, when somebody focuses on, let's say, I want to be a successful, I don't know, banker or something, right? You would focus on the things that would create success. And let's say that you're not able to do it, then you would have to look at the limitations in your plan, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I'm really only going to hit this kind of success or I'm going to have obstacles. I'm going to have struggle. A lot of us have struggle in our plans. You know, we watched our parents struggle. You can watch TV, you can watch a movie and you see struggle. Like we see struggle all over the place. So we just assume that's part of the human experience. But it's not because what it is, is that we're attached to our idea of how we think things need to be. And we don't even consciously have the awareness most of the time that that's going on. Like it's just going on in the background because it's all of our learned beliefs and all of our, you know, ideas again about what is possible for us that is always controlling what it is that we actually do. I love that you just explained this. I mean, it, you really broke it down in a way that I'm a visual learner. And so just I'm imagining as you were using such descriptive words to explain that, like how those things are so real in our everyday lives, because we'll say, okay, these are things I want. This is who I want to become. This is who I have to become to do the things and achieve whatever it is you set your heart out to. But as you said, I mean, we put out this expectation. Here's the want, here's the desire, here's the outcome. 
but we don't account, as you said, for the struggles to strike the you know challenges and all that stuff because. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to that point in this experience of walking this new direction to this thing that we want that we can't account for those steps of mishaps, misfortunes, whatever it is. So it's almost like that that blind side. You can't see it coming until it happens, but also preparing yourself ahead of time for when it does, because it will, it always does, and how to then correct course so that when there's that distance, maybe sometimes our our expectation gap is too wide. And that's when a lot of that suffering comes in. Would you say that is somewhat correct where you might have this high lofty goal and put on such an expectation, pressure and demand on yourself. And when you're encountering all the things that are happening, which are normal, it feels like such a big burden and heaviness that sometimes we might give up on those hopes and dreams and whatever that is but to also set maybe small monumental goals that keep that short-sighted vision so that the gap in disappointment divide isn't so wide. Does that kind of make it makes I mean, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, again, it really comes down to having self-awareness mm-hmm. about what it is you're doing, because oftentimes we're people of patterns, right? Because we have beliefs and our patterns support the belief. And then we look for evidence that it's true. So oftentimes we're operating in that as we're trying to get to success. Well, it creates a struggle because, you know, if I have things pulling me back and then part of me is pulling me forward, I'm in a state of struggle in myself. And that's really where the struggle comes from. Because if I have a goal, okay, like I have goals all the time, you know, like this goal, it's a daily goal or I have yearly goals or what have you. I cannot get attached to the result and I cannot get attached to how it happens. What that means is, let's say that I go, okay, I I have a goal of making a million dollars this month. So when I go toward the goal, I'm going to think logically, okay, well, I need to, you know, market to people, right? I need to, you know, have conversations. I need to do these things, right? But if I'm attached to each one of those things working towards my million dollar month, then I'm going to get disappointed. I'm going to have a lot of pressure. I'm going to not probably be my natural self because I am putting so much energy and effort into what I think is going to create it rather than saying, okay, I'm going to do the things and I'm not attached to which one works. I have no idea. I'm not in charge of that. You know what? Universe, God, whatever it is for you, I believe that when you are going in that forward motion and you're not attached, but you know that this is the goal you you would like to get to, that you have to do the things without attachment to get there. Because if you get disappointed or you feel, oh my gosh, pressure, that has another impact. You know, if I'm disappointed, well, then I might say, you know, this isn't going to work. Forget it. You know, I'm going to not get my million dollars and then I'm going to stop. Or if I feel, you know, angry, that's going to take me on a different path. If I feel that I'm alone in this, it's going to take me on another path. So we get into these cycles in our head that take us away from actually, you know, getting towards the goal. Instead of being curious, instead of being open, instead of, you know, using your intuition and your intuition is always giving you ideas. You know, I call it your inner wisdom or you know, your God within or, you know, however you want to put it, 
It's like that place of ideas, you know, and that creativity. And you don't know where it's going to take you. I mean, like, as you said, who knew picking up a book, right, was going to set a whole path in front of me? You don't know. And what you don't know, you don't know, right? But you have to be inspired and not feel like you've got to be attached to something happening because you're going to squeeze the life out of it anyway. You're so right in that. And I'm jotting down some notes here because so many things just came to mind. A few things. One is when you talked about really not not giving yourself that permission to attach to the outcome, but instead letting it go and letting it flow. And, and in that context of just do your part, do what you need to do, and the things that you don't know, the missing pieces, when you're letting go of that expectation will just somehow, and this is kind of like the the universal law, they fill in that gap and you don't realize, but it's like the universe is working for you. It's calling in all that you want. And I think that, you know, from somebody who is very faith-based, this literally, I've expanded my own belief in my my faith and into my spirituality as well, because God is the creator of this universe, which is a place that is constantly in alignment and flow. And it's like when you're in that mind, body, soul, the oneness and this now, that's when you get to just be and receive. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I feel like I'm new to this explain it because I'm literally experiencing it every single day that has sparked now this curiosity, as you said, and this wonderment. And, and I feel like almost a kid, like I wake up each day to go play. And that's where I get to have that fun. And in that fun, in that that moment, it sparks so much inspiration and creativity. And I found myself just going through these different seasons lately where last year I felt so stifled that the desperation and expectation for an outcome that hadn't yet arrived was crushing and killing that creativity and inspiration where then it became very reactionary where it was just constant hustle and and feeling like I'm never going to make the headway in the progress of where I want to go because I was way too attached to the work and to the outcome with a deadline and an expectation that was just unrealistic. And so I share that because of like, we can go through all different seasons. There is no right or wrong or this is the way it is, but this is how you experience. And so I love that we're sharing just two different experiences of walking through something very similar. But to go back to my point about letting go of the of the attachment to the beginning of this conversation, how you had learned so much about just attachment theories coming from love and relationships and how is, I don't even think that there is a difference. It's all interconnected. So how does that love and relationship attachment style from our own experiences play into letting go and why it's so hard? So when you're a child, and you know you are attaching, and so if you have insecure attachment, what happens is again like I you know with the different parenting styles. So, let's say you have parents that don't give you much praise and don't really show you a lot of love. Okay, they put a roof over your head. They expect you to listen to them, and you know it's pretty much there's no like physical hugging or anything, right? So you go to school, get straight A's, and all of a sudden mom or dad is paying attention to you. You're celebrated. You're like, oh, when I perform, I get attention, right? So we associate that with love. And so 
you know, maybe you become an athlete, maybe you clean the house, maybe you take care of your siblings, make it, you know, like we come up with all of these ways to perform that say, oh, I'm getting something good in return, right? And so as an adult, you know, you go to work, hey, I get a paycheck, right? I get a bonus. I get a pat on the back. It's the same thing. It's that attention because most people don't feel like they can validate themselves. And you can, but we're not taught that as children. We are looking in our environment and you go to school or at home or babysitter or, you know, friends, anybody, anything, anywhere. We're looking for validation that we're okay, that we're doing it right, that we're successful, even if it's just waking up in the morning and, you know, showing up. It's really that. And when you get how it plays out in what you choose to do for a living in how you show up to a job, you know, or your own business, like we don't see how that insecurity can drive us. A lot of people that are, and, and I put myself in this category, you know, that are highly motivated where it's extrinsic, where it's about the reward, it's about the validation, right? You know, these high achieving people are driven usually by their insecurities. When you have intrinsic motivation, intrinsic is inside of you. Intrinsic is I do this for the joy. I do this for, you know, my happiness. I do this. Yes, there might be some extrinsic, you know, if I have a business, obviously there is some kind of I would like to get paid so I can eat aspect to it. But if your days are mainly driven by intrinsic motivation, then you're not coming from that insecure place. You're coming from a secure place inside of you of trust, of faith, of knowing everything is going to be okay. But a lot of us who had these beginnings, we don't necessarily feel that there is safety. You know, we don't feel safe. We feel, again, insecure about something. So, you know, it's so applicable really to any relationship or to anything you're doing because it's what is driving you to do what you do. Mm -hmm. I just jotted down a whole bunch of notes too. I, I feel like this one, I'm, I'm filling up all my little post-its here that are scattered across my, <laughs> my desk. But um, <laughs> I, I love that you brought that up, you know, really the extrinsic and the intrinsic and how much I can relate to that because I, I wrote a book called Chasing Perfection, A Journey to Healing, Fitness, and Self-Love. And so it was the chase of perfection, seeking that extrinsic reward and validation. If I had the perfect body, the perfect life, the perfect business, the perfect home, marriage, friends, all this stuff, right? Externally, if I looked like I had had it all together, then it's feeling like I could finally rest. I could find that happiness. I could find that peace within. And it was, oh, how I had this all backwards. And it's like, this is what my book is about, the journey too. And so it was about the healing you know, working through fitness and movement and just using using that from a, a healthy perspective where I can love and nourish and, and respect this vehicle that is carrying out this journey and this purpose, all while giving myself that love that I craved externally that I didn't get in a way that pacified my needs, wants, and desires. And what you're sharing is speaking to me so much that I know that even those listening, like, how does this relate into your life? How can you pull some parallels from just these examples that Tracy and I are sharing into your life and find that relatability? Because it's it's sometimes we don't, like you said, we don't know what we don't know until we do, and then we can do something about it. We can take that action. And so I love that you share about just those two extrinsic and intrinsic and how those rewards lead to our attachment style of what our outcome is or is not 
and then also how we react or respond to said outcome. So I love this conversation, stuff that I, let, lights me up because I love talking about like psychology and emotional intelligence, self-awareness. But, you know, I'm curious to know more about how everything that we have talked about, how you work with your clients and and helping them guide through their journey to gain further clarity, to really trust in themselves, build that self-trust and, and validate themselves through that intrinsic rewards by letting go of those expectations, by really focusing on the inspiration and creativity. Like how do you, in a sense, keep that individual going at a pace where they're experiencing it for said length of time where this now then becomes their new normal? So what we do, I have two sides to my business. I have the side where it's really about personal relationships and then I have the side where it's about female leaders. And what I have found is a method. In fact, we're looking at how we're going to start presenting this to therapists, psychologists, and so on so they can use this method in their practice. And it's an emotional somatic method, being able to shift beliefs and change your patterns. And we do it, we have group-based programs, and we also have individual mentoring programs that we do this in. And what we find is there's a lot of layers that sort of block you from who you really are. And who you really are is underneath like all those things, like uh, like in your book, you know, and I wrote a book too. And, you know, we have all of these layers of I'm going to please a person this way. I'm going to, you know, get what I need out here. And so it's really about, well, who is this in here? You know, a lot of times we speak for other people to listen, but we can't guarantee they're listening. And when you speak for other people to listen and you discount yourself, you're forgetting about this person here, you listening. You're forgetting that you matter. Most of us get our value from what we think we get from other people, but it's really about what you give to yourself. And so we teach that also, like how to break these patterns, how to be vulnerable and how to actually stop blaming other people and take self-responsibility because that is really the most empowering thing you could ever do because that means that, oh, I had a choice. I didn't know I had a choice, but I made a choice. So now I can make a different choice. And, you know, we go back in time. I don't, you know, we don't spend a ton of time in childhood, but we like to get to what was it that established your anxiety about that situation? What was it that established, you know, this idea that, you have to work so hard to get something from somebody. You know, like what, where did these things come from? And then we do a little bit of work in the past, but we always bring it forward because it's really about changing that dynamic and being a whole person rather than just a talking head, which is what a lot of us do. We just stay up in our head. It's safe up here. We learn to as children because children don't like to feel pain. And if you're in your body, if you're in your whole self, you know, you're feeling pain as a kid. You don't have really anything to tell you, oh, hey, guess what? You know what? It's okay. You're going to be okay. Feel those feelings. And, you know, we don't learn that. So it's really about moving yourself out of that and into who you really are and operating from there. And and it may change what you do, you know, all across the board. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I love that. I feel like you broke it down for those who, who are just listening and, and trying to figure out like, I'm not really sure, but I felt the way you explained it was very concise. Like everything, it just really made sense. And 
I think as we as we go through this experience of life, I mean, obviously we're gaining the insight, the wisdom, the fortitude, the resilience, all the things that really now become character building and strength and skills and and just assets for your tool belt. So when these things, these situations arise time and time again, we're more quick and adapt to the situation where we can, you know, the resiliency, it, it, we shortcut that by, you know, experience. And I love that you're sharing this. And so your your method is unique in that sense where it's taking that individual through their own journey to that, I guess, in a sense, like awakening of self-awareness to take that deeper dive into understanding oneself and building that relationship, that self-relationship. Absolutely. Because again, when you're a child, nobody's teaching you to build a relationship with yourself. Nobody's teaching you that you matter just because you breathe. We're told we matter if we perform, if we act, you know, for good little girls and all of that. And that really never, ever makes you feel whole. It actually can make you feel anxious. It can make you feel, you know, very insecure. And it can have you be, you know, it shows up in relationships like as jealousy or, you know, wanting to control the partner. It can show up in business as wanting to control everybody. It can also show up as you can't be empathetic to other people. You might be able to be sympathetic to people who aren't at your level, but you can't be empathetic because you feel like they may come along and take what you have. And, you know, that's that whole scarcity that comes in that's a part of it. Because if there's a scarcity of attention given to you, of love given to you, of, you know, accolades given to you as a kid, then you're always grabbing at them. You're always wanting them. And then yet, <laughs> because we don't love ourselves usually, we also reject it at the same time. Oh, you said something nice to me. Now either I have to perform to, you know, keep performing so you don't feel, you know, like you made a mistake giving me a compliment, you know, or I, I have to figure out some way to get rid of it because it's uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. I could totally relate to that. In fact, I, I shared a story in my in my book about that where I received a compliment that really just took me back. Like I, I didn't even know how to respond. I just sat there almost like dumbfounded, jaw dropped, and I was like, what? And so I I took that compliment home with me and I, you know, mulled it over and I was like, why? Why was this so hard for me to receive this? And what was I supposed to say or do? And I remember going back to the individual the next day and just saying, hey, listen, what you said was just so it took me by surprise that I had to take the time to process and truly know the genuine intent behind it because I didn't see the value in myself or see myself through that that perspective. And I just wanted to thank you for shining a light on that because you only see yourself through your own lens. You don't see yourself the way other people's do, people do. And so I think that that goes a long way because those compliments aren't just there to like throw in your support bucket and validation bucket, but they're also there for when moments of insecurity and self-doubt, you can go back and, and sort through that. The, again, those become your little gold stars that you can pin on your wall. And But I remember just telling him like how it just humbled me. Like, wow, how could somebody see me in such a way that I couldn't see myself? And then that just led to more self-exploration because obviously I needed I needed to take a deeper dive into that because we we are our own worst critic. We are negative. We know ourselves in and out, but we don't give ourselves that love and compassion and empathy and seeing people through the lens of somebody who hasn't experienced all of what you've experienced because sometimes that experience 
use like a big tangled ball of mess that feels very misunderstood. Oh, yeah. I could really relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I just love this conversation. (laughs) But uh, I'm curious to know, you know, how one, our listeners can learn more about you, more about your work. And then additionally, if you have any tips or advice or just, you know, additional um, support tools that they can utilize to empower them to, you know, become their best and most confident selves. Sure. So you can go to my website, tracycrossley.com, and I have all of my programs there. We actually today, so by the time this airs, I'm sure it will be fine, but today we are actually uploading our, trying to upload, like, basically we remodeled the site. And so it's just taking days on end to uh, get that over there. So by the time this is up, anyways, so we have different programs listed there. All of my social media links are there. Like everything about me is there. I have podcasts. I have two of them. I have uh, one that's called Freedom from Attachment. I've had it since 2015. And so there's like over 700 episodes. And it's really about anything attachment related, like anything because I've had so many years to do it. And then I also have one called Earned Wisdom for Accomplished Female Leaders. And that is a newer one where I'm talking about this in terms of, you know, attachment and other things that have to do with female leaders. And plus, I'm interviewing a ton of female leaders on that show. And so it's pretty interesting to hear their perspective on themselves and their experiences. And then, of course, you know, being a female leader and what that means right now, especially in the United States. And then, you know, as far as as information that I can leave with you, well, two things. I also have, I forgot, the download. It's called Stop Your Inner Dictator. It is on my website. So it is basically how you can handle that inner critic. Anyways, so I would say really, you know, you have to give yourself a break. And I think that's really hard to do because I think we're our own worst taskmaster. And, you know, by doing that, it is to start to say things and do things that matter to you and do it in baby steps, because a lot of times we're afraid of upsetting the apple cart. We train people how to treat us. We train people what to expect from us. And it's untraining them. And you may have to say, you know what, I realize I've been doing this, whatever this happens to be, and it doesn't really work for me. And I need to find a better way so that I'm happy because it's not making me happy. My own my own actions aren't making me happy and I need to do something about that. Usually the people in your life can understand that. And if they can't, then that's their problem. Not to be jerky about it, but really it's their problem because you you can't do anything about it. When are you going to be a robot? You cannot do that to yourself if you ever want to live a life that's fulfilled. So that is the first step. And I again, baby step. Take a baby step, you know. Maybe it's I don't feel like doing something that I've been doing that I really don't want to do and I'm not going to do it today. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Giving yourself that that permission to just be and just yeah. accept that and not always feeling like you have to be on the do because like you said, we're our own task taskmasters. Like I think we just get ingrained in, in that idea that we need to be producing and performing nonstop because we're built for, you know, a machine. And it's, um, <laughs> I'm just, my own, that was me. That was me. I'm following my own advice. Sometimes you got to take your own advice, but then sometimes you forget it. So it's like, sometimes life just kind of hits you upside the head and like, hey, mm-hmm. slow down. 
And I can, you know, I can attest to that advice as well. Slow down, give yourself that permission to just slow down. It's going to be very hard because it feels like you're the anxiety, the angst that says, no, we got to go. We got to do, we got to pick yourself up. We can't sit around. But how much your mind and body and soul just absolutely need that to almost just realign. Like they haven't even caught up in a conversation for a while because they're all over the place. But um, it, this has just been an incredible conversation. So I I truly want to thank you for being our guest today. And of course, everything will be included in the show notes below. So if you want to just give our listeners one last piece of advice or just anything you want to say that we feel like we haven't touched upon, I'm at it. The one thing I would say really quickly because it kind of adds on to what you were saying, you know, we hear these things, like you're hearing this, and you're like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. It's really difficult to keep doing it. It's great to hear it, but to take the steps is a very difficult thing because we fight change. We we fight it as much as we want it. And you have to remember to be kind to yourself and not beat yourself up if you hear it and you're like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. And then after a day, it falls off. It's to remember until you're really ready to commit to making change, you're not really ready to commit to making change and to be okay with that. Right, right. Yes, couldn't agree more. Well, so thank you so much, Tracy. This has been an incredible conversation. So thank you again. Thank you. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. 